There is a power in presence. And the heart of the spiritual life is about presence. The presence of God. Sometimes called the mystery, the divine, the trinity, the spirit. Have you experienced the power of God's presence? Are you seeking the presence? Today's passage from 1 Kings is all about presence. Solomon's father, David, King David, was a mighty warrior, a mighty general, but he was also a talented musician and devotee of the Lord. And David yearned to build a house for God, a dwelling place for the ark of the covenant. Yeah, that's actually a thing in the Bible and not just in that movie that some of you were thinking about. The ark of the covenant was a gold-plated box that had angelic wings. And inside were two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And then a jar, a jar of manna. Miraculous bread that God provided the Israelites during their desert wanderings from Egypt to the Promised Land. The ark was a focal point for God's presence on earth. And until Solomon, not David, until Solomon built the temple, the ark had no permanent dwelling place on earth. And 1 Kings 8 is really the dedication service for this new temple, for this house of the Lord, this dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant. It's a thousand years before the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And King Solomon prays in this way, standing before the new altar in this new temple. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on the earth beneath, keeping... Now wait, wait, wait. Stop the prayer. Stop the prayer. Stop the reading. A house for God? Isn't this some simplistic, literal understanding of God held by people 3,000 years ago? I mean, does God need a house you know, maybe, maybe an apartment. You know, nice two-bedroom in Los Angeles. Gold-plated kitchen counters. Wi-Fi speeds out of this world. But seriously, to help us think about this question, let's look at the refrigerator in this divine apartment. On the refrigerator, there are two words in big red letters. Two big red letters. The first word is transcendence. Let's say that together. Transcendence. Theologically speaking, the transcendence of God refers to God's mystery and the remoteness of God's presence from the affairs of human beings. Such a God cannot be known. Personally, in any way. Okay, that's a very inadequate crash course in transcendence. Now, if we look back at the refrigerator in this divine apartment, we see the second word, imminence. Let's all say that word together, imminence. Theologically speaking, imminence refers to the knowability of God and the nearness of God, God's presence to human affairs. Such a God can be known personally. 
Okay. That's a very inadequate crash course in eminence. Some belief systems around the world and right in our own community stress the transcendence of God and some stress the eminence of God. There are jagged, cutting dangers to, by stressing too much of one or the other. Dangers some of you probably flirt with on a daily basis. But back to the dedication of the temple. So King Solomon continues to pray in verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house I have built. So Solomon did not understand this temple he had built in some simplistic and literal sense. He didn't have the English words, transcendence and imminence, but he knew something about the concepts. He understood something of the concepts of transcendence and imminence. Now it's time for a pop quiz. A pop quiz. I know everybody loves surprise tests. I can see some of you are looking so excited. You're looking up like, what? A surprise pop test at a church picnic? Well, before you answer the exam question, think about it carefully. Remember, do not just feel your faith. Think your faith. Here's the question. Is God always present? Remember, wait for answering. Is God always present? We talk about seeking the presence of God. We talk about being aware of the presence of God. Sometimes we even pray prayers like, God, fill this place with your presence. Isn't that what Solomon is doing here in 1 Kings 8, basically? Is God always present in a church? Is God always present in creation? What about in a hospital room? What about in a war zone? So here again, here's the exam question. Is God always present? Evelyn Underhill was a wonderful teacher of spirituality in the last century, the early parts of the 20th century. She wrote many books, uh, including the famous The Mystics of the Church. And to borrow some of her language, we might say that human beings have a ceaseless craving for the infinite. A ceaseless craving for the infinite. We might change that today to say a ceaseless craving for the presence. Now let's have a little reality check here. I'm going to be very real with you. I don't know about you, but I find that I can get distracted in prayer. Anybody else? I see lots of hands. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can get distracted even in, even in the service. Anybody else that ever happens? I don't know about you, but during my week, i got all kinds of things going on in my life, and I can get distracted and not really be thinking about God. Anybody else uh, find that? So, if God is always present to us, I certainly know I am not always present to him. How about you? But I have found that certain places facilitate my awareness of the presence. 
creation, like we're in right now, being such a place. But also a beautiful church, whether small and simple, stressing God's imminence, or one that's huge with high ceilings, stressing God's transcendence. Those places help me to be aware of the presence. They help focus my attention. How about you? Church buildings, by their very presence, can help communicate to the world the presence. And churches, like ours in particular, that have traditional liturgical architecture, are, check this out, designed to house the presence and to turn human attention to the presence. And over the years and decades and centuries, become soaked with prayer and presence. Did you know that in our main church, we have our own Ark of the Covenant? Did you know that? I see some of you looking at me very quizzically. Some of you know where it is. And behind that gold doors, in that box, there is manna. There is a jar of manna. Miraculous bread. Bread of life. Bread with presence. Bread with real presence. Take Eat, this is my body, which is given for you. The year was 1929. The place was Oxford. And a professor who was an atheist, who was living a very comfortable, very settled life, was coming to terms with a presence that he was starting to become aware of. He says it best in his own words. Quote, you must picture me alone in that room, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him, whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had last come upon me. I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. I did not then see what is now the most shining and obvious thing, the divine humility, which will accept the convert even on such terms. The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. So recounts C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy. There is a power in presence. The heart of the spiritual life is about presence. The presence of God, sometimes called the mystery, the divine, the trinity, the spirit. Have you known the power of God's presence? Are you seeking the presence? And yes, please, seek the presence. But also, receive the presence. And check this out. The presence in kindness. The presence in love. The presence in divine humility. 
is seeking you. Amen.